All right, so we are here now with Mr. Nassi. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. So you uh, you caught a bit of attention this past weekend, and I'm going to hit you with it right from the start. Uh, a bit of attention from the Snowball Derby, and not for the reasons that uh, I'm guessing you wanted. So let's first and foremost hear your side of the story. Well, you know, I always find myself in the spotlight one way or another, whether it's, you know, up front or, or uh, getting in some drama. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we hired a pit crew. Uh, the guy's name was Brad Robinson. He, uh, you know, promised me, you know, great things, kind of like all the, you know, developmental uh, pit crew guys do. And, and, you know, I had faith in him. I had a, a buddy, you know, recommend him to me and, and talking to him at all, you know, sounded great. Um, got there and I could just tell, you know, it wasn't going to be that great of a day when the guys that come to pick on my car showed up, dropped their bags down and went to go, you know, talk with their buddies instead of looking over the car, you know, checking the studs, checking the jack posts, you know, making sure all their stuff's good. So when I had to, you know, get on to them early in the day about that, like, hey, you guys got a job to do here. This ain't, you know, come hang out with all your friends time. Uh, you know, I thought that, you know, that would put some sense into them. But uh Obviously, it didn't, you know, and, uh, you know, the first pit stop was okay. Um, I lost, I think, three or four spots on pit road. I had some guys that I had passed on the racetrack get, you know, a good bit ahead of me. And uh, obviously, you want to gain everything you can on pit road. So <clears throat> the, the biggest thing was, was on that pit stop, all the lugs and everything got tightened. So the car was good. So I went back out. You know, we were still a little bit off. I gained those positions back that I lost on pit road, um, maybe a couple more on top of that come back down for the second pit stop and uh, it was a normal time pretty slow you know they didn't show really any raw speed uh, on the pit stop so I was just hoping everything was good and tight you know I pulled back out on the track started working on my tires really couldn't feel nothing then it just kind of like kind of felt like the ass of the car was you know moving around on me a little bit so <clears throat> after that we went green and uh I really felt the vibration then. I come over the radio, says something ain't right, you know, either whether we got a loose wheel or something's just broken in the rear end. Um, luckily, we got a caution about five laps later. And uh, that's when I come back down pit road the second time, told them to check over everything. So they went right to the left rear of the car, seeing the wheel was loose, uh, you know, told us about it. They got their gun, were trying to tighten it, and, you know, they said it was good. They said, you're all good now, tightened up. So I went back out, which, like I said, you know, in Twitter and stuff, you know, we could have spent really as much time as we wanted to down there that time, making sure all the lugs were tight. But, you know, they were in a rush and they, you know, they sent me off. And, and obviously the problem wasn't fixed. Uh, you know, right when we went green again, I, the vibration came back. Uh, the thing is, without the Derby, you know, you don't want to lose track position. Track position's huge. You know, I was running about 8th or 10th at this time. I come from 34th. Uh, if I were to come in under green, I mean, that's all my track position, and that's really the race there. I mean, there's no coming back from that. Uh, so, you know, our really only options were to try to spin the car out because I knew, you know, our problem wasn't fixed. So, uh, you know, I was really going in there, you know, trying to just loop the car around because it was already almost wrecking loose anyways with the way the wheel was coming off. Uh, when it had kind of slowly looped around, the tire just flat came off, and uh, that, that caused me to get into the wall and, uh, you know, ruined our day. Right. So the second time you came down and they confirmed it was tight, do you think it was a problem with the gun or anything? Because, I mean, I... It 
to me, it, it was, you know, I heard the, the front changers and the rear changers gun just sounded so much different, you know, and I'm not a, a pit crew guy, but you know, when you tighten down the lugs, you hear that torquing sound on the gun and on this gun that he was using, I wasn't hearing no torque and it was just, you know, revving up RPMs wise. It wasn't, you know, doing the torque down sound. So in my head, that wasn't right, but you know, they're the only guys that come over the wall right there and they're the ones looking at it. And when they said that there was a problem and then they said, okay, you're good now, you would think, you know, that problem's fixed. And that's why we pulled away. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I've used those guns before on a couple occasions, especially with uh, the wheel and modified pit crew challenge. I was involved with that, but Mm -hmm. you know, those guns, you can tell when when something is or is not right. I mean, you'll you'll right. feel the gun try and break your wrist almost with the amount of power. It, exactly, exactly. So, I, I just really think that these guys were really inexperienced. You know, uh, like I didn't name drop. Uh, you know, the crew or, or the guy's name that I had gotten uh, the crew from originally. It was actually kind of funny. I had a guy write to me on Twitter. And he was adamant about how, you know, they were crooks and they were using the Roush Fenway name and they're supposed to be, you know, MDM development guys or whatever. And and, you know, some guy called him out big time because I guess he got, you know, screwed over by him as well. And I I hear that we weren't the only ones. So I hope people, you know, learn to stay away uh, from from deals like that. So were these guys not actually associated with Roush? Or, cause I, I, I really re- don't know. They had Roush t-shirts on. Uh, the guy in the tweet said that they really weren't affiliated with Roush. He said that they just had the gear and they were, you know, pretending, for, basically. Or they were on the team, I'd say, at one time and, you know, let go because obviously not good enough. And like I said, you know, you could tell from the get-go when you got a group of good guys, a pit, good pit crew that comes in. And, you know, I've ran the Derby five times now, I believe. And, and, you know, I've ran a lot of races where you had to have pit crews. So I've had my fair share of run-ins with pit crews. And this was the absolute worst. And like I said, from the get-go, when them guys come and drop off their stuff and go to talk to their buddies and, you know, go to BS around the track, they ain't, they ain't there to win the race. They're there, you know publicity and you know to say that they went to the derby and to collect a paycheck and and that's that's what really you know bothered me and then you know after the fact and i come back down pit road and i seen those guys standing there every single one of them guys had a smirk on their face like they had just done something good nobody looked upset nobody was apologetic every single one of them had a smirk on their face and there was at least five people around that can confirm that and uh that's when I lost my temper, you know, and I tossed the helmet and I asked, I said, who, you know, was changing the rears and every single one of those guys looked at one guy in particular and that's how I knew it was him. And, uh, you know, I just, just went from there. They obviously didn't let me get to him, but, uh, you know, that guy, he, he just cost me about 40 grand and uh good running the snowball. So, uh, I wish I could have done a little bit more, but, uh, you know, it's, it's done and over with now and there ain't nothing I can do about it. So will you will your car be ready for Saturday's race? For I mean for the flake, right? That's a that's a different whole deal. I'm not going to the flake. We uh, we were just going to obviously do that because uh, it's the same weekend and everything. But it just it ain't that worth it for us to go out there again. Oh my bad. I was told that you would uh, be busy Saturday at the flake. My bad. 
No, no, yeah, we uh, we we were gonna go, but it's just like I said, it, you know, we do the flake and everything just because it's on the same weekend as the Derby. It allows us to race on the track more that weekend, get more seat time around the track, really get a feel for it. Um, with them being separated and, and being, you know, a week apart, it's just not really worth it for us. Right, and that makes sense. It's it's quite a lot to run there. So I saw one statistic in particular. I believe it was Matt Weaver that put it up. And it was about thirty. I think it was thirty-two dollars per lap run. Is that consistent across all the teams for the Snowball Derby? Is that how much you're putting in for this one weekend of racing? Because if so, that would make a lot of sense. Why, you know, I imagine for Saturday's race, the Snowflake, it's going to be almost nobody there because they're staying a whole extra week and another week off their jobs, and you know that much more money to run. Right. Right. Yeah. Just. Exactly. Like you said, with everybody having to take off there, I don't really feel like the car count is going to be that hot. Um, it's it's unfortunate because obviously the snowflake is a cool race and, and people like to run it. But as you said, it's expensive. And, uh, you know, I don't know lap to lap prices of what it costs to be there. But I know I know the whole cost of what it takes us to get, you know, to the Derby. And obviously the flake is less money. It's a hundred lap race, four tires, really just a regular race. You know, it's nothing nothing big, no lap changes. And I think it even pays about the same as a regular race. So, I mean, it doesn't really give people any initiative or, you know, like want to go there for that. Cause it's nothing really special. And you can, you know, you can go do that at a regular Saturday night show. Right. So if you're not running that race, what's next? Is that the end of your season? You're just prepping for next season. Yep. Yep. That's the end of our season for this year. Um, we've been talking about, uh, trying to do Kern County for the uh, for the winter showdown uh that's at the beginning of february so um that may be our first one of the season we're not um not 100 percent yet on that uh it's obviously a far way to go for us to go to california but uh we're trying to make a deal to uh to make it happen so that me and uh me and jeffrey can both get out there and you know hopefully race right so for uh i mean twitter is still a bit all up in arms, um, especially over an, uh, another comment <laughs> that you made. I believe it was off Facebook saying, well, with uh, those pit crew guys, you know, they're awful lucky that the car wasn't in one piece. Otherwise, that's what would have been coming out of my pit road. So. <laughs> yeah, man. A, few, a lot of people got butthurt over that. You know, even even the girl that I uh, sent that to because, uh, you know, me and Andy, uh, the guy who made the Facebook post, you know, we've been buddies for a few years now um, when he came and interviewed me. Uh, I think it was like Southern National or something. Um, but, uh, you know, he's always been a big fan of mine and is always tagging me and all of his stuff. And I always like to reply to him. And uh, I've seen that. And, you know, obviously, obviously I'm a jokester. You know, anybody that's met me in the pits or, you know, really actually had a conversation with me uh, definitely understood that. And, uh, you know, in my eyes, it was really funny. And it still is funny. But, you know, you're going to have those people out there that, uh, that, that don't want that and those are probably the same people you know that got uh the christmas story taken off tv because it was you know bullying people so that's 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 the problem with this world and people just don't know how to take a joke and you know good for me i think that i i liven up the the racing community uh with a fresh you know breath of fresh air um and I just try to be me. I don't hold nothing back. Obviously, I'm not going to take my car and hit people with it. But it was definitely that got, gave me a laugh. And, and Andy as well. And even the girl that, that made the comment. And I, I made that post towards her. Um, she she laughed as well. So it, it was just a funny deal. And, and some people just take things too far. Right. I, I was going to say, like, what 
I, I guess to to summarize that, what what do you have to say for the people who are taking these comments from you? Maybe that you meant in jest, but what about you know taking them seriously? Comments like that, and then you know the whole situation with jumping out of a car and and fighting the picker guy because you know to non race fans they don't understand that right. it is, is forty thousand dollars and that you guys yeah. do own those cars privately. Right. This, you know you work a nine to five job and then you go home and work on you know, the car and it's, it's actually funny, you know, because like a lot of people that have like ran their mouth about me on Twitter or something, or, you know, even sometimes it's not me replying. It's just a fan of my replying. Um, you know, they'll say the whole story and that person will just do a whole 180 and, and be normal then like, stop saying all these things. Like, it's just, it's crazy how when people really don't know you, um, how like they take things, uh, you know, I, I consider myself, in the media as kind of like a Tony Stewart, you know, and I, I grew up watching guys like that. And, uh, you know, I have a different personality. Um, but I think that some love that and, you know, the ones that hate it, there ain't really much I can say to them. Um, you know, they're obviously a little too wound up for me, a little too tight. Uh, <clears throat> just, you know, everything can be a joke in life. You just got to know how to take it one, you know, and uh, some people don't really see, like you said, the money that I lost that weekend, uh, me and my family and not even us, you know, all the hard work that my crew put into that weekend. And, you know, like I've told people, the it would be the different if like, OK, NASCAR, they have their pit crews. Those are their pit crews is like their regular crew at the same time. They're there every weekend. These are guys I never met before. They came in, like I said, when they first got there, they went and, you know, goofed off with their buddies, didn't even check over the car on normal things they should be checking on. Um, it's just it was a really a really crappy ordeal. And I could tell the effort they put into it um, wasn't 100 percent. And then when you go there, like I said, our, our cars cost almost one hundred thousand um, dollars. When you go there and play games like that, just to collect your little paycheck for your, uh, your pit crew and say that, you know, you did something at the Snowball Derby. It just ain't right. And that that's what those guys were doing. They were just a bunch of airheads. So I, I'm curious and, and a lot of other people were asking about this online as well. Uh, so when that whole ordeal happened, do you get any of the money back that you put towards that pay crew or, or are you signed <laughs> in with, you know, they, they take the check at the beginning and then they're there the rest of the weekend, regardless of what happens. That's funny that you say that actually, you know, uh, after the whole deal, it went down that Brad Robinson guy, he was at the racetrack. He came up to me. I seen him go up to the crew first and I thought I got into the altercation with them. He'd come up to me. Um, and this is how you know this guy is a crook. I mean, he, he looks at me and tries blaming it on me, asking why, if I knew it was loose again, why didn't I come down under the green flag run? And uh, what else did he say? Uh, why didn't I spend extra time on pit road uh, if I knew there was a problem? If uh, Something along the lines of, like, I didn't stay in pit road long enough. And his guys are the ones that told me that they got it, and it's good. And I just, at that point, I lost my temper with that guy, too. And, you know, I don't really care. If I don't race for money, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, we don't really get a paycheck off this. We do it because it's, it's a hobby of ours and it, it's fun. You know, we love the racing aspect of it. Um, but I'm not going to sit there and, you know, whine and cry over that money that I've lost. It's lost. It's lost to me now. The deal's done. Uh, that guy, like I told him that night. You know, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure, you know, nobody rents from him again personally. Uh, you know, I hope those guys that were on the crew, I don't think it's necessarily their fault. Um, 
I just think they're very inexperienced and kind of got thrown into the lion's den uh, without really knowing how to do anything. You know, I, I to me, it seemed like they just came from McDonald's, uh, how they were acting at the racetrack. So I, I just I really blame it on the Brad Robinson guy. Right. And that's huh. that's an interesting take. I don't know if I ever got that impression from reading it online. But then again, it, it's been an absolute firestorm of, of media all across NASCAR with all the different it's, things going yeah. on. Yeah. It's crazy. I got, you know, almost a thousand new followers on Twitter after all this. Uh, and, you know, I had Dale Jr. He reached out. I've had, you know, some car chiefs from Penske. They reached out. And, you know, the people that I care about are on my side. And that's all that matters. Right. So I, I guess, uh, are there any other, you know, final statements on, on this, this topic? I, I don't know. I doubt I'm the first media guy to get to you but i haven't seen too much put out with you yet so what's what's no you are actually the first to get to me on this whole deal i haven't haven't discussed it with anybody else yet uh like i said everybody just needs to really be careful Uh, i mean all i can really do is give out the guy's name which is brad robinson and just say whatever you do do not you know go through him or or the uh, the roush fenway development uh anybody that claims to be like that you know it's it's tough because you're looking at like i said i paid about five grand for that pit crew a little bit less than five thousand for me to get you know juniors guys from hendrick it was going to be almost nine thousand it was like a little over eight thousand um and that was just like crazy to me and you know i didn't want to pay double i was in my head i was like i'll just make up whatever spots they cost me well you know it's one thing to do that and i could have done that i could have made up the spots that caught me but cost me but these guys actually ruined my race car what they they didn't even give me a chance it would have been one thing if they were just slow i could have dealt with that i've had that problem before you know i get those those positions back on the track but but in this instance they actually wrecked my race car and whether I, if i came down pit road under the green flag when i felt it happening i would have lost all my laps and i would have been out of the race at that point so i had to do what i did and it just it really sucks right so are there any uh, other notable events from this year that uh, I guess slipped under the radar at the end of it? Uh, you know, not really. Uh, you know, we had a really strong end of the season. Uh, I mean, we were running the top five anywhere in the country. Uh, you know, uh, I went, uh, well, my teammate Jeff, he went and won the Winchester 400. And then the next race, you know, I won the. Uh, I won the Mobile 300, and then he went back and won the Governor's Cup, and I finished second. Um, so we're we're having a we well we had a really kick-ass year, and and it's uh it's been a pleasure with the Jet team. You know, uh, I feel like my 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 racing and and my team all in general are just you know stepped up to a whole other level, and we've really contended for wins everywhere. So you know, I'm just really looking forward to what. Uh, 2019 holds and uh, hopefully it can be as good as the end of 2018 right and speaking of that what are the uh future plans are you looking to go up in any series and it's you know i suppose this is the perfect time of year to talk about it being silly season and all and seeing everything happening i mean the defending truck champion is out of a ride because he couldn't get sponsorship you know last year's championship defending team is closing down shop for exactly the same reason so what what you know, impression does that make on a driver and how does that impact your future plans? Do you still, well, have you ever wanted to go up to the cup, you know, cup or Xfinity truck level and race there? And has that changed with how much the sponsorship model is taking over? Right. No, I mean, that's a good topic to talk on. And then, you know, obviously any, any kid as a racer, um, 
he wants to move up to that NASCAR level. You know, any short track, you know, go-kart, dirt racer, you know, even if you're racing go-karts on asphalt, um, you know, all those kids, you know, they all look up to the NASCAR drivers. And I was one of those kids, you know, I started racing when I was four and a half years old. Uh, and that was in go-karts. I'm 23 now. My mindset has changed a little bit. Obviously, when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, still really had those sets of NASCAR in my head. Um, but then, you know, get to 17, 18, 19, you just start seeing, like you said, the sponsorship stuff come in. And, and those guys, man, they ain't. I mean, yeah, okay, if you're in victory lane in a cup race, yeah, that's fun. But the, the whole, I mean, there's only, you know, eight cars that could really do that in the cup level and the rest of them are just fighting for all the back half of the field spots, you know? And, uh, I have buddies, you know, that go and, and do, you know, let's say starting parks or just run even really in the mid 20th, you know, position in, in the cup level. And I've always just said that I would would be much happier running a super late model contending for wins against, in my opinion, the best drivers in the country. Uh, you know, you got guys like Bill Pollard, Casey Roderick, um, Jeff Chiquette. I mean, people like that, any of those guys can go up and be as good as a Kyle Busch or, or a Jimmy Johnson or, you know, any, any good, you know, Martin Truex Jr. Uh, we're all really have that talent level. It's just, like you said, sponsor dollars have, you know, overrun that so bad. It makes me sick even watching it. I mean, the guys have to be just straight edge you know can't say what they're really thinking got to worry about you know who what sponsors will think what and you know this and that and i i don't want to live my life like that you know i my family you know I, it's funny i actually always see people say like oh nasty talks about rich kids but look at him he only has his name on the car don't get me wrong my family has money but when you put me next to somebody like a, a William Byron or a, or a Noah Gragson or a, a Je, uh, Harrison Burton or really the guys I race with week in and week out, I mean, I'm really a peasant to those guys. <laughs> My dad drives a 2007 Chevrolet that, that's ragged out with almost 300,000 miles on it. And my mom and sister's the only ones with nicely, you know, halfway decent cars. But we really, you know, we have the nice things, but we ain't, we're not freaking billionaires or nothing you know and and you're you're really in the nascar ranks you're working with a lot of people that are like that and that you know have the unlimited budgets we have nice cars don't get me wrong but it's when you start getting into the the technology stuff and using everything to your advantage you know with telemetry and stuff like that i've never had telemetry on my race car not once in my whole life and every other, you know, cup team, KBM, you know, Burton's with the Furies and, and all them, they have the telemetry on their cars all the time when they go test them. Um, so it's just, you know, things like that. I really hate how the sport's so money driven. Um, and I'm able to really get by with what I'm doing now in super late models. So I really don't have any plans of moving up. Yeah, it would be fun. Yes, my dad and my parents, you know, my sisters. They they would they would love to see it. My nieces and nephews. I mean, they're they're big NASCAR fans. My nephew, my oldest nephew's favorite driver is Kevin Harvick, and I mean, he watches NASCAR consistently um, more than I do. Even I know they would love to see me do it. 
but it's just the the route the sport has taken it's just garbage it's it's so lame anymore it's not real racing uh you know real race fans come and watch super late models nowadays or they're at the dirt track ain't nobody at nascar races uh they're just they got to do something that the sport sucks right now um where i'm at is really to me the the cream of the crop the top of the top uh and it's you know i think all the other real race fans have really migrated over to the dirt world because they're the only ones that know how to run shows and get done right do you uh take issues with the race fans that are you know sticking with uh asphalt ovals and you know the cup level drivers and seeing that as the top level of racing versus the home track racing because i've i've seen you know personally on a personal level i've seen both where i you know grew up going to stafford motor speedway in the summers and i've put together rides for friends uh at stafford and i'm gonna be working there you know next summer on a on a race car there but at the same time you know i'm I've worked at the racetracks. I've been going to races since 2009, and you know I, I'll, I'll watch the race any weekend that I can. And so, there's not too many fans that publicly seem to, you know, watch NASCAR on the weekends, but then go on Friday nights to their home tracks. Do you see that as being an issue if they choose one over the other? No, you know, I I feel like you know it is pretty segregated for some reason. Like you, you would think, you know really diehard nascar fans would want to you know come down and, and watch more super late model stuff but like you said there are those people that are just strictly nascar i mean i've met plenty of fans like that you know they want to go get you know the people's autographs you know they have their fit some a lot of the people in nascar their favorite drivers are mid-pack drivers and it's actually it's really cool to see that you know they all aren't stuck on you know the kyle bushes the jimmy johnson's you know people like that you know there are you know a fan base for nascar it's just man i mean you couldn't even fill a high school basketball gym with them i believe yeah it's it's been surprising seeing some of the you know the lower budget teams the drivers are some of the most popular i mean obviously you're never going to yeah. beat out chase elliott dale jr all that but right but look at matt the benedetto i mean he's gotten a lot of publicity you know i I was good buddies with matt when i lived in north carolina and you know my other roommate tanner Berryhill, he just signed you know for a season with with the racing or or something like that in the 97 um so you know it's it's really cool for guys like that because you know me and tanner got into it on twitter uh yesterday about it a little bit you know that he could you know, he has to spend the same amount of money to get a motor for his super, you know, to run top 10 as he does for, you know, his Xfinity car to finish, you know, in 25th or, you know, 20th, which, you know, I get it. The payout, you probably can go make money at an Xfinity race, you know, paying what you would pay for that motor and finish 20th. You know, the payout's really not that bad. Those back half of the field guys do have, you know, chances to make money. Um, I, I just... Like I said, that's not for me, but I respect the guys that do it. Like I said, I have good buddies that do it. Matt DiBenedetto, I think he's one of the strongest ones. He's making the most out of very little. And then, you know, I think that Tanner will go on this season and do really good things as well uh, with the opportunity he has. Uh, and like like you said, those guys actually do get a pretty good fan base, and I like that for them because, you know, even though I hate NASCAR, uh, you know, I still have a lot of friends in it. You know, I'm obviously in the motorsports industry and uh, doing all the – you know, races, super late model races across the U.S., you know, I meet a lot of people, and I've I've befriended, you know, a lot of those guys, so I like to see them do well. Right, and uh, I don't want to keep you up too long, you know, we were at 27 minutes already, wow, but uh, it's been an absolutely fantastic conversation, so 
Uh, usually I finish out, wrap up every interview with um, a question of what was the first car that you ever drove? Like a private car, not a late model or anything, non-race car, but just first street car. That usually always gets an interesting story. <laughs> really? Uh, it's funny. You know, my dad, like I said before, uh, you know, he still drives that same 2007 GMC truck. And uh, he's had it since 2007. So that was the first thing that uh, I used to get to drive. You know, it wasn't uh, technically 100% legal at the time. But when I was 15, uh, my parents went bowling every single Tuesday night. Uh, they were always out, you know, from six o'clock till 10 o'clock or whatever. Uh, you know, me, I had been racing since four years old and my dad had always let me drive his truck if I was with him, you know, so he knew I could drive. So every single Tuesday he would let me take his truck to go, whether it was, you know, to dinner or a friend's house that wasn't too far away. Um, so that was definitely the most memorable thing I have. It was always a little, you know, adrenaline rush because I was a little bit too young. You know, I had my learner's permit, but I had to have an adult with me. But uh, my dad was always, you know, cool enough. And, you know, friends and food was always not far away. So uh, they they let me do that for a little bit. And that's, you know, the best memory I have of, of you know, driving when I was, you know, the youngest. Right. Yeah, that's always, you know, a fun memory is the first car you ever drove. And it's always an interesting story, whether it's like an old uh, beater falling apart in the woods with right. one story and I remember I had Corey LaJoy on and he his first car I can't remember what it was but it had a Nintendo 64 in the back and he would pick up girls by saying you want to go play some Mario Kart in my car <laughs> so yeah but yeah, no I ain't got nothing that cool like I said my dad's had that same truck since 2007 and that was around you know when I was getting about the age to drive is around you know 2010 or whatever so uh you know, it probably had about 150,000 miles on it by then already and uh, definitely wasn't the nicest piece, but it had four tires and it had a motor. It got me where I needed to go. All right. Absolutely. So I wanted to say uh, thank you again. You know, it, it was upsetting to see what happened at the Snowball Derby, but it certainly seems that it, it, it's done a lot. Like you said, more Twitter followers now and, you know. I guess it's a it's a situation of trying to find the the best and the worst, you know, with a, a wrecked race car. That you know, that's never easy. But True. at the same time, you know, there's there's something coming out of it. You've been contacted by car chiefs and everything else. But you know, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure hosting you. I'm, I'm surprised I was the first media guy to get to you, but I really appreciate you, you coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, have a good one. All right, you too, man. Bye. Goodbye.